This episode has been published out of order. Our apologies for the mix-up. This is the real episode 39 of Basic Theology. Welcome to the Open Bible Podcast, a resource of Church of the Open Bible in Swift Current, Saskatchewan. In this episode, Pastor Jay and Pastor Joe will be discussing the outline of future events and give us a summary of the tribulation period. Hello, church and guests. This is Pastor Jay Hines and Pastor Joe Sorge, welcoming you to another episode of the Open Bible Podcast. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. On today's episode, we will be looking at chapters 83 to 84 of Charles Ryrie's book, Basic Theology, which continues his section on the things to come with an outline of all the future events that are still to come in God's prophetic plans, and then specifically with a summary of the New Testament teaching about the tribulation period. So let's just start with that outline, that overview. What is still to come, Joe? What what are the remaining events in Bible prophecy or or the main events Mm -hmm. that are still to come? Yeah. So Ryrie at first kind of lists some things that are kind of growing and and what's going to happen kind of before uh, what we would consider like the end times. So he lists like a, a growing amount of apostasy. And then also says there's going to be this, uh, ecumenicalism that's going to, um, increase as well leading up to the end times, but that's not really the the main events. If we're talking about the main event, uh, events of what's still to come regarding Bible prophecy, we're talking about, first of all, the rapture of the church. Now, that's one thing that we're waiting for. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17 makes it very clear that that's going to happen when it says, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them, being those who were dead in Christ and Jesus himself, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. And so again, that's describing what we call the rapture of the church, where uh, the dead in Christ are uh, arise from the, from their graves uh, and meet Christ in, in the sky. And those who are still living on earth during that time also go up and meet Christ in the sky. And, uh, and that whole, whole event we lots of times call, rapture. So that's the first thing to come. The next thing after that is a time of great tribulation, uh, which is described in several places throughout the Bible. And we're going to talk more about that later in this podcast. Following that, there's going to be the second coming of Christ. You can read about that in Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 16, when Jesus comes back, not just to the clouds, not just to the sky where we met him as, as we were raptured, but he'll actually come down. His feet will touch earth. He will be literally here on earth during that second coming, as is described in Revelation 19. There will be judgments, and that will be followed up by the millennium, which we talked about last time in Revelation chapter 20. And so that's kind of a, a summary of the of the events that are yet to come according to Scripture. Yeah, and as we will explain more in further episodes, we believe that that's the order, mm-hmm. right? That right now we're living in the church age, which interestingly, a lot of people don't realize this, but the New Testament actually talks about uh, the church age now as in some sense being the last days, uh, that the last days are not just these final events, but it's actually begun um, after the first coming of Christ. So, for example, in Hebrews 1, 2, mm-hmm. it says, but in these last days, so he's talking about this was 2000 years ago, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed heir of all things. So there's a sense in which we are in the last days because even though it's been 2,000 years, um, we are always been anticipating these imminent events that could come at, uh, that are part of that, those final 
events in, in God's prophetic plans. And so we're, we're living in that time right now. But usually when we're talking about uh, the, the future events, we're thinking of what you said before, the, the rapture, the, the great tribulation, uh, the, the, the judgments that are to come at, sec- at Christ's second coming, the millennial kingdom, and then the final eternal state, the new heavens and the new earth. Those are kind of the main uh, events, the main points that are going to be coming at some point to time, as we'll talk about later, uh, that we don't know when, but, but this we're told is, is what's going to happen. Uh, but why is this important? You know, we've heard many people say things like, you know, I don't, all I care about is that Jesus is coming back someday and everything's going to end happily ever after. Like, why do we need to know anything else? It's too complicated. It's, it's something that just feels like a waste of time. It doesn't apply to my life today. So I don't really worry about it. Jesus is coming back. Everything will be happily ever after in the end. That's enough for me. Why do we believe that that's actually not good reasoning. That's not true. That It's important for us to know about these events in general and to know also the, the order of these events in particular. Yeah, well, <clears throat> I I mean, it's just silliness, I think, to, to say stuff like that um, because for one, it's lazy, but like we would never say that about any other doctrine mm-hmm. uh, of the Christian faith. It's like, well, I don't know. Some people are talking about this Trinity thing, but I feel like whatever, like I know right. I'm saved anyways. Like it's too we, complicated. Yeah. The scriptures aren't totally clear. It's a little bit, you got to put pieces together. Eh. Exactly. And yeah. so we'd never say that about the Trinity. So why would we say that about the end times? Uh, we want to make sense of what the Bible says. And so it's important for us to understand the outline and the order of these key events as we've laid out. And that understanding, how we understand this outline can make actually a huge difference in our life. So for instance, uh, how we outlined it, what we believe to be true about uh, the rapture of the church happening prior to the great tribulation. Well, the order of that actually would probably make a very big difference in one's life because if you were thinking that Christ could come back at, at any time and you're a Christian and you think that the rapture is not going to happen until after the great tribulation, there would be all sorts of reason to legitimately probably have some fear, Mm -hmm. a a lot of fear, right? Because like, I'm going to have to face all the trials and the tribulations that happen during this time of great tribulation. And, uh, you know, that could, that could cause a a lot of of fear and and trepidation for, for even a Christian, Mm -hmm. even if they know that, that God is with them through that. It's just, there's not that comfort. Whereas, if you believe uh, that the rapture happens first, there's a lot of comfort to that. It's like, oh, like God actually says that he's going to deliver us from the wrath to come. That's amazing. And and there's a lot of comfort. That's just one little thing I think that makes a huge difference even in our day-to-day Christian lives. It, it helps us from living in, in fear and instead gives us a lot of comfort. And I think actually helps us greater anticipate uh, the end times as well. Anticipate Christ's coming. A lot more because we don't have to worry about uh, what might happen to us. It's more so just like Christ is going to come and there's this family reunion in the sky. Sounds good. Um, and uh, I, I think that it, it really does make a difference even in our lives today, even though we're talking about things that are to come. Mm-hmm. It, it also just more generally speaking, um, we naturally like to know what's coming, right? I mean, we're as, as one of the things that sets us apart as human beings made in the image of God is that we 
uh, can understand time and we can understand the future and we can plan for the future. Even when there's things that are uncertain, we can still plan. And those plans affect then how we live now, right? And that's just part of life every day. There's things that we know are most likely going to be coming in, in the future of our lives, whether that's like the next day or the next week or month or year. And so we plan accordingly and that affects today. And the same thing is true uh, with the end times. We don't know when these events are going to happen. They may or may not happen in our lifetime. Um, there's some of the some details that God doesn't fill us in on, but knowing the basic sort of itinerary of God's prophetic plans helps us to today plan for possibilities in the future. So for example, like you said, if we believe that Christ can come at any moment to take his church, to catch up his church in the rapture, well, then that's going to affect the way we live today because we're going to be anticipating Christ could come right now. That changes how I live right now, yeah. right? Uh, on the other hand, knowing that he doesn't, nobody knows the day or the hour also means, okay, but I, I also need to live my life and make plans and it hold that tension of like, you know, this could all be over today, but I, it also could not. And I need to plan. And, you know, I was just thinking even about my kids, like, you know, what are they almost every day they ask? So what are we doing today? What's the plan today? Right. Or especially if, uh, you know, now summer's coming up and there's holidays. So it's like, so what are we doing this summer? What's the plan? And then, and then when, when we have an idea of what's to come, it, it affects what I'm going to do today. Okay. So if we're doing that tomorrow, then today I have this free time to do this, which I wanted to do, you know, that sort of thing. It just, it brings clarity to today and, and also uh, comfort to today as well. Um, I would just say one other thing, and I think this is really important right now uh, in the times we're living in, although this has been true for probably every generation, but you know, a lot of strange things have happened in the last couple of years, things that we haven't really seen necessarily in our lifetime. Um, things like pandemics, things like natural disasters seeming to be on the, the increase, political instability, some wars, that sort of thing. Naturally, a lot of Christians say, hey, wait a minute. We know in scripture, for example, we know in the um, Olivet Discourse that Jesus uh, in Matthew 24 talks about these future events that are going to be um, tied to specifically what we'll talk about in a minute, the tribulation period. Well, it sure seems like uh, there's more of these things happening right now. Therefore, you know, we must be either in the beginning of the tribulation or it must be like coming like any day now. And people can get really preoccupied with that and start making really, you know, definitive claims. Like we are absolutely in the last days. Well, yeah, we are. Mm -hmm. We've been in the last days for 2000 years. <laughs> and those things have been happening for exactly. the last 2000 exactly. years as well. Now we do believe that those things will increase mm -hmm. to some degree, but even that increase, and I know we're jumping ahead here, but yeah. in, 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 in the birth pains, which is called in Matthew 24, those are still all things that we believe we're not going to be here for. The rapture of the church is going to happen first. So it's not completely wrong to see, oh, you know what? There does seem to be more wars right now. There's just this pandemic. That's new. There's some natural disasters. Hmm, who knows? Maybe this is all anticipating for the tribulation period. Hey, that's awesome. If that's true, that means the rapture is coming. Great. I better get on to just continuing every day living my life for Christ and, and uh, the ministry and missions he's given us. And then that's it. Not endlessly, you know, hype making hypothetic claim, oh, well, maybe this is this and this and this and spending all this time, you know, basically thinking over things that we have, we don't know. We don't know if it's true. And so that's another reason why the order is, is important. And what I find so ironic is many, many people, actually, I would say the majority of people who 
get caught up in maybe this is the end, maybe this is the end, maybe this is the beginning of the tribulation, all those things, um, are also people who believe that the rapture is coming first, which makes no sense. It's completely inconsistent and illogical. If we believe that the rapture is a signless coming of Christ at any moment, then we don't have anything to worry about. Yeah, whether yeah. or not the tribulation's coming or it doesn't make any difference. We're supposed to be about our mission to make disciples of all nations whenever Christ comes. And so that's another reason why I think understanding these things and particularly the order makes a difference. But uh, anyway, we've kind of <laughs> already been jumping ahead a little bit. So what we're going to do now for the rest of this episode and then also uh, the next one is, is sort of digging into some of these events a little bit more deeply. Now, we said we believe that the rapture of the church is the next event. Um, and we're going to defend that next time. But actually, before we can understand the different views of the rapture, we have to understand a bit more about the tribulation. And so that's what we want to spend the rest of our time on here. So when people say, you know, the, the tribulation or the tribulation period or the great tribulation and all of that, what, what exactly are they talking about? What does this mean? Yeah, so the, the Bible in several places is talks about this time of great tribulation. And tribulation, of course, basically just means trouble um, and and there's a few different characteristics of this specific tribulation period um, that I, I think we need to make note of. Mm -hmm. One is something that Jesus himself says uh, in both Matthew and Mark. Uh, he says this in Matthew chapter 24, verse 21. Speaking about this time of great tribulation, he says, For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be. Mm -hmm. So basically what Jesus is saying there, he, he's telling his disciples and telling us that there's a time coming of so much trouble that it's nothing like the world has ever seen in the past and never will see until that day comes. And, and that's not going to be, you know, obviously, like we've said, we've seen wars, we've seen pandemics happen. Um, but this is going to be like so much greater tribulation than, mm -hmm. than those things. And it's going to be worldwide. Uh, we see that in revelation chapter three, uh, verse, verse 10, where uh, it says this, uh, it says, because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. And so I think that's really important here as well, just to recognize that this great tribulation that's greater than anything else that we've ever seen or experienced on earth is not just local, it is worldwide. And, uh, and the Bible also tells us other little attributes of this tribulation. Uh, you know, it doesn't just leave it vague and say it's going to be terrible. It actually tells mm -hmm. us what is going to happen. And we get the main features of this time of the great tribulation from Revelation chapter 6 through 19. Mm -hmm. And in those chapters, it talks about uh, the seals, uh, trumpets, and bowls. And all of these are judgments. There's seven of each of them. And... Uh, and these things are going to be poured out on the earth during these seven uh, years of tribulation. <clears throat> and so uh, we're obviously not going to read all of those chapters, but if we sum up what, uh, what those seals and bowls and trumpets are, we see that there's going to be wars, unlike any other wars we've ever seen. There's going to be famine on the earth. There's going to be plagues. It's going to be like uh, the plagues from from Exodus that we read about, uh, you know, when when Israel's leaving Egypt, it's like that except on steroids. Mm -hmm. Like it is crazier plagues than we've ever ever heard of or seen before. 
where things like there's going to be darkness for long periods of time. There's going to be meteor showers. There's going to be locusts who are killing people like crazy. There's going to be hail mixed with fire and blood. There's going to be, uh, you know, drinking water is going to be uh, tarnished. and It's going to be bitter. You won't be able to drink any of it. There's going to be uh, tons and tons of martyrs of those who mm -hmm. believe in Christ during this time. And uh, there's, and, and those are just some of the plagues. There's also, you know, through different things, like a, a quarter of the population is going to be killed. There's going to be earthquakes and so on and so forth. And all of this is going to be happening. And, you know, that's what's being described in Revelation chapter 6 through 19. And those are things that God is sending on the earth mm -hmm. uh, in, in judgment. So that's part of what's happening during the tribulation period. But that's not all that's happening. There's also the Antichrist who is bringing his own types of, of trouble and trial upon the earth as well. And uh, we can read about the Antichrist in several different places. More, more often than not, actually, in the Bible, he's not called the Antichrist, but mm -hmm. the man of lawlessness or the abomination of desolation. Um, but we, we see that the Antichrist is going to, first of all, eliminate opposition. Uh, so he's going to be killing people who believe in Christ, uh, left, right, and center. And uh, we read about that even in Revelation chapter 11, where there's these two witnesses who are proclaiming the truth that this man is a liar. He's a counterfeit. He is not the true Messiah. Uh, people are believing him. They're falling for it and don't, don't fall for it. And he's going to kill them. And, uh, and so he eliminates opposition. Uh, he demands that people worship him. We see this very clearly in 2 Thessalonians um, chapter 2. I'll turn there here. And just read a few of, of the verses here. So it says, Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and that man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. So now we're talking about the, the Antichrist, the man of lawlessness. And verse 4 here says, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. And he demands that people worship him as God. He is a blasphemer of all blasphemers. Mm -hmm. And he's going to be doing different signs as well, as, as it goes on to say here. Uh, it says... Uh, that the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and nothing, and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. But then it says that the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing. And so he's going to be coming and doing these crazy things, these miracles, but it's all counterfeit. It's all fake and people are falling for it. And, uh, and Again, all the while, not only is he drawing people away from the truth, he's also killing those who are believing the truth. And, uh, and this all comes to, to you know, big time fruition in the sense of uh, the mark of the beast, right? And everyone uh, is, is familiar enough with that idea where uh, he, he will be controlling whether someone will be able to buy and sell goods, uh, essentially. Um, basically, it, it comes down to bow or starve mm -hmm. um and 
Uh, one thing I want to note about that is it's going to be very clear. No one's going to be tricked into taking uh, into taking the, the mark of the beast. They're going to know what they're doing. They are giving allegiance to the Antichrist. And that's very clear if we read in Revelation chapter 13 there. Um, but that's what he's going to be doing. And so basically, you know, if we look at all these things between the the bulls and the, the trumpets and <clears throat> and the uh, seals, and then between what the, the Antichrist is doing, it's not going to be a fun time mm -hmm. on the earth uh, during this time, that's for sure. And yeah. so those are some of the main features of the Great Tribulation. Yeah. Let me just add on to that too, mm -hmm. with what you were just saying about the Mark of the Beast, because yeah. this has become such an issue recently. The issue um, is not, the matter of that is not so much, or I should say the focus is not, well, look, you know, if you want to live, if you want to be able to buy food, if you want to do commerce, you got to take this um, mark. It's you need to claim yeah. allegiance to Antichrist In order and to. worship him as God. It's not, you know, some secular government saying, um, look, you know, we're getting rid of money, and, like cash, and you need to start using a debit card. Mark of the beast, right? Because that's the only way we can, well... No, because is is doing is using that debit card, um, you know, pledging allegiance to Satan. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know what? OK, well, I'm going to by taking this debit card, I'm going to now worship our prime minister rather than. No, of course not. And so it's just there's a lot of needless fear about that. Um, and again, we believe the rapture comes first. This isn't something we're going to face as as christians anyway and then one other thing too is there's good evidence to actually believe that it's it's not it is simply just a pledge of allegiance to the antichrist it's not an actual mark because earlier it talks about having in revelation it talks about having the mark of the lamb mm -hmm. as believers which is in the context is clearly not a physical mark and by the way if you have the mark of the lamb as a believer it's impossible to take on the mark of the antichrist you don't lose that mark so uh, just just some stuff to to clear yeah. up um but, you know, also, as, we, as you talk about all those main features, I think it's just important just to understand the purpose yes. of the tribulation. One, the big is just judgment, as all those um, judgments uh, tell us very clearly about in Revelation, all the different, uh, the sealed judgments, the trumpets and the bulls. It is judging sin on earth, right? People sometimes think, but isn't there going to be judge, uh, judgment eternally in the lake of fire? Yes, but this is part of God's purpose and plans for the earth right and for people on earth right we can forget that god's original creation plan was for uh human beings made in his image to be his co-regents on earth ruling and reigning having dominion multiplying under obedience to him to his glory man fell into sin well one the um people in the image of God ruling and reigning over this world earth in righteousness, that still needs to happen. That was God's creation mandate. That's going to happen when mm -hmm. Jesus comes again and all his people reign with him. But also there needs to be a final judgment as well on this earth of sin. And so that's, that's one big part of it. The other part is more particular. It has to do with Israel. And we don't have time to get into this a lot, but if we want to know a lot about the tribulation and Antichrist, going to Daniel is very important, and other prophetic books too, but especially Daniel. And uh, in Daniel 9, 24 to 27, we get this sort of big picture outline of God's prophetic plans for Israel. And part of it is that there has to be um, the completion of their discipline as a nation for rejecting Yahweh, God, 
and uh, worshiping idols. And, and particularly there's, we don't have time to go into the details, but there is um, all of these Sabbaths, these seven year Sabbaths that they did not keep. And so there are these, um, because of that, God has a certain amount of seven years or sevens that he needs to bring about this, this discipline. It calls uh, in, in verse 25, it talks about these 62 weeks. And that doesn't mean actual weeks. We can see in the context, clearly he's talking about weeks of years. Really a better translation would be uh, 62 sevens and seven of years. And so there needed to be that many years uh, in order for there to be uh, this, this, this discipline of Israel complete. And as we read through, we see that uh, most of this has occurred, but then all of a sudden, and, and this is maybe already jumping ahead a little bit into the next question, but uh, we see that there's going to be this break between uh, before the last week, the last seven years that still need to happen. And it's that seven years, which is this tribulation period that need to be completed so that um, the time of Jacob's trouble, as it's called in Jeremiah, is complete as Israel is disciplined because at the end of that, then Israel will finally be uh, regenerated, restored to their land, and God will keep all of his covenant promises. Uh, but I think that's a good transition into our next question, mm -hmm. which is when does the tribulation begin? How long will it last? And in what way will it end? And uh, you had read earlier 2 Thessalonians uh, 2, and that really gives us probably the clearest explanation of when uh, this time of tribulation begins. Because he says in verse 3, let no one deceive you in any way for that day, and that's the day of the Lord, which begins with the tribulation period, um, will not come unless the rebellion comes first. So that's the first thing, rebellion, or it can be apostasy. There's going to be this great apostasy. Now, some have recognized that that word can actually also be translated um, as the um, falling away. It can also be translated as um, that taking out. Right. Or uh, um, some would say that that could actually be referring to the rapture. Mm -hmm. That's that's a that's a minority view of what's being said here. But certainly we believe the rapture is going to come first. Uh, but then there also will be this time of great apostasy that 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 will be a sign that, OK, we're, we're in the tribulation now. But the biggest sign, the most important sign, as it said, is that the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist will be revealed. Right. Then then they will know that we're in uh, in these days. Yeah. And I mean, again, you had mentioned Daniel chapter nine before as well, which ties mm -hmm. into this for sure. The man of lawlessness will essentially be revealed at this signing of a covenant with yeah. Israel, which we read about in Daniel chapter nine. And so that's how we know that that the or that the tribulation, this great tribulation has begun. And then as far as the question of how long it will last, we, we've both already tossed this number around a couple of times and said it will be seven years. Again, that's from Daniel chapter nine. Uh, as well, where he's talking about these weeks. And then, like you said, under the circumstances, it's more the the weeks are more, you know, these periods of time, like these Sabbaths. Sabbaths yeah. Um, but this last week uh, that's listed here <clears throat> is is different. It, it, we come to the understanding that it is a literal, uh, like it's seven years. Uh, this one week is a seven year period. And again, that's in Daniel chapter Nine. So that's how long the tribulation will last, and we won't get too much more into that, I suppose, right now. But uh, then comes the question, in what way will this tribulation end? And uh, we see very clearly 
in Revelation, uh, reading it as is chronologically, uh, we see that all these judgments are happening, you know, the, the seals, bulls, the trumpets. Um, and then it's going to end with Christ's second coming, uh, Revelation chapter 19. You can read about that where he, he comes in power and in glory, riding a white horse from heaven, coming to earth, and then is going to be Armageddon, this, this huge war and Christ, by the word of his mouth, by the sword that comes from his mouth, he will be absolutely 100% victorious. And, and the, the beast being the, the Antichrist and his false prophet being the second beast will be thrown into the lake of fire forever. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's very, very clearly what it says in Revelation chapter 19. And that will mark the end of this time of great tribulation. And uh, that will be quite, uh, quite an amazing day, that's for sure. Yeah, and we look forward to talking about what's going to come after that uh, in two episodes from now. But like I said, next week, we're going to be focusing a little bit more on the rapture, why we believe it comes before the tribulation. But before we conclude this one, just one last thing. Though we believe there's strong reasons that the church age believers, that we are promised to not go through this time of great tribulation, A, Christians are promised tribulation, trouble in this life, suffering for Christ, right? That's This is not a you know, escapism, but we are also promised to be saved from the time of wrath. And that, that tribulation, the tribulation that is not just other people opposing uh, us as Christians, but actually God himself pouring out this great wrath upon the earth that we believe will be kept from as church age believers. But that doesn't mean there will be then no believers though the church will be gone. We are told often in revelation, even in, in Matthew 24, that some will come to faith. In fact, there's going to be these in revelation. We hear about these, uh, these two witnesses, right. That will come and, and preach the gospel. We hear in, in Matthew 24, that all the nations will, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached all the nations, probably through these two witnesses. And many will believe and be martyred during the tribulation. We call them tribulation saints, right. And those are the martyrs who, uh, we read about in Revelation 20, who with us will be resurrected as well. And so and there's also the 144,000 yes. from, the, from the people yeah. of Israel who will come to faith. Yes, and be sealed. So so there's even during that time, there will be terrible time of tribulation. There will also be great conversion and great evangelism. And uh, just to show again, God's goodness and God's providence that even during that time, uh, the gospel is powerful to save. Well, I think that's where we will end. Join us next time. We're going to be discussing chapters 85 to 89 in the book, which will continue Ryrie's section on the end times, as I mentioned before, with a summary of the rapture and a survey of different views about its timing. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and fellowship of the Holy Spirit abide with you now and forever. So long. See ya.